With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to the Great Iron Blitz 2020 edition, episode 303. Uh, just excited to be back. Happy New Year. If you had a great Christmas, hope everybody had a great time with family and all that. Uh, we are excited to be back. Uh, next week, we will have our regular uh, co-hosts, Holly Custis and Mackenzie Brooks, back. So today we're going solo. And in the second hour, uh, we are going to be talking X-League as the transformation of LFL to X-League, uh, one of the big news of the past two weeks, and we want to congratulate the CIFAF champions, the underdogs from Bologna, as they defeated the uh, Polonia Unicorns 32-14. to You can go to the hub right now and watch the whole game via FeedAF TV on YouTube. It was an exciting game, really back and forth, and uh, at the end, obviously, the underdogs, uh, 6-0 and on the season, undefeated, they win the Rose Bowl, and you can get the recaps there, plus the highlights and everything that happened in Italy as the champion underdogs uh, become Rose Bowl champions in the CIFF in Italy. So congratulations to them. Thanks for tuning in to us. Um, tune in on Google Cast, on Apple Podcasts, as well as uh, Player FM, and on the biggest platform in podcasts, iHeartRadio, as well as Block Talk Radio, as always. So Thank you, everybody, for sharing, subscribing, and bringing awareness to Women's American Football. And you guys have done a tremendous job over the amount of uh, air that we've had over 300 episodes now. Uh, and so all our network partners, really uh, awesome as well, on the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauties. So you get take, it, take a look at that. Uh, thanks, everybody, for liking, commenting, and sharing all our posts. There's awesome things that are happening in the women's game on a weekly basis, on sometimes even daily basis. So go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridironbeauties. You can also take advantage of up to 20% off at the No Joke Football Shop, powered by Zazzle.com. Zazzle has been our sponsor for over six years. So check it out. Get a shirt. You can get the uh, favorite uh, Ellie Mazzola shirt, uh, Ellie Mazzola from Finland. And she was spotlighted on our No Joke Football page on Facebook forward slash No Joke Football and by the talented Mika Storm photo. So thanks to Mika for spotlighting the amazing, uh, talented Ellie Medzola with our gear. And you can go there and get up to 20% off at the No Joke Football Shop. Um, free shipping if you subscribe to Zazzle Black for about $9.99. Subscribe to Zazzle, uh, Zazzle Black and you get a year of free shipping. So check it out and go to Zazzle.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties and save big. All right, so you guys, uh, a lot of things happening in the NFL with the wild card races. Previous to that, 
And then, obviously, now we get the divisional round. That's going to be pretty exciting. We have divisional round matchups, Minnesota Vikings and San Francisco 49ers, Tennessee Titans, and Baltimore Ravens. And on Sunday, it's going to be Houston Texans taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Then the Seattle Seahawks will be battling the Green Bay Packers. Very interesting matchups there, but the results of this weekend were a lot more interesting. And we have pretty much six good uh, moments that happened in the wild card uh, rounds that happened this weekend. So it was just, you know, Buffalo. Uh, shout out to Callie uh, Bronson out there and the Bills as they took on the Houston Texans at this point. But they did a great job there. They just, unfortunately, uh, they just blew a 16 point lead. They were playing really good, and against the Texans team, obviously, with uh, uh, Watts back, it was not an easy task, of course, but it looked easy win for the Bills, who led by 16 with only like a few minutes left in the third quarter, but then Deshaun Watson uh, took over, and Watson led the Texans to two touchdowns, one in the third quarter, one in the fourth, to put them up by three points with just under five minutes left. The Bills went on to score a game-time field goal that would send this matchup to overtime. Uh, And who would have expected we're talking about Buffalo Bills in overtime in a playoff game? And here we are, and we were talking about Buffalo Bills, which uh, was dominated by Watson and the Texans. So during the overtime, Watson had one of the most impressive plays of his career to win the game, avoiding a sack and throwing uh, his running back, who would run for 34 yards. And that would seal the game there for uh, the Texans. They won the game with a field goal, uh, and they will face the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round on January 12th. It is an impressive uh, outing for Houston. It's kind of a testament and a test for them. Uh, at this point, if they get past Kansas City, we're looking at uh, Tennessee or Baltimore. And who would even think that we would have even Kansas City in the conversation as well? The Titans stunned the Patriots on the other side of the wall, uh, AFC wall card, the Titans, led by running back Derrick Henry, handed the New England Patriots their earliest exit from the playoffs since 2009. And since he was a former Patriot, Coach Vrabel, uh, I think, really had a lot to do with it, understanding you know, what was going on with, obviously, the uh, Patriot, uh, Patriot way. So the Patriots' loss also marks the first time that Tom Brady's playoff career uh, that he threw no passing touchdowns and one pick six interception. Uh, while Brady and the Patriots often struggled, Tennessee's defense had a field day behind Henry. Henry rushed for 182 yards, the most of any running back in a single playoff game against New England uh, versus Coach Belichick. The Titans will face the Baltimore Ravens on the other side of the AFC divisional round on January 11th. So the only shocker really out of the whole weekend probably was the Saints losing to Minnesota in overtime. And it was just an entertaining weekend of NFL football. So if you love NFL football, two overtime games, the one with the Bills and the Texans, and then we get Minnesota and the Vikings. The Vikings and the Saints faced off in a wild, wild game for one, uh, you know, pretty much anticipation was Kamara and uh, Thomas and Breeze would technically would go out and take over, and then just move on to face, obviously, the Niners. Uh, with under a minute left in the fourth quarter, the Saints trailed by three, but were, you know, basically couldn't get it done. A false start penalty on the Saints with 11 seconds on the clock 
and after an incomplete pass by uh, Drew Brees, they kicked the field goal to send the game into overtime. So in the overtime, lo and behold, you know, Minnesota's always been here, and they've always fallen short. The Vikings received the ball first to begin their game-winning drive. Uh, Kirk Cousins found uh, Adam Thielen for a huge 43-yard pass that would bring them to two yards away from the end zone. On third down, uh, Kirk Cousins found tight end uh, Kyle Rudolph for the uh, game-winning touchdown. The Vikings' win places them in the NFC Divisional Round against San Francisco on January 11th. It would be, uh, I think, Levi Stadium's pretty much first inauguration into the playoffs. So it's a big deal for the Niners, big deal for the Niner faithful out there. Holly Custis, totally hyped. Now we get to see Minnesota Vikings out here. Um, so a lot of Viking fans, a lot of Minnesota Vixen players, totally excited for this matchup as well uh, on Twitter and everywhere else. So it is basically um, the win by the Vikings. Obviously, there's concerns as to how well they'll fare up against the, the San Francisco uh, defense, which at this point has been very, very stout. And given the fact that everybody was considering the Saints as their biggest rival for San Francisco, it turns out that that's not going to be the case. Minnesota punches themselves in, and uh, we're going to see a really good clash. It is the opportunity for Kirk Cousins to elevate himself to another level. It is the opportunity for Garoppolo to figure out if he is going to uh, run himself into the conversation of a Joe Montana, Steve Young prematurely here, but we're looking at that. That's pretty much the scope of the, of the matchup between the Niners and the Vikings. The other matchup was unfortunately um, a controversial hit on Carson Wentz, and it was a helmet-to-helmet hit on Carson Wentz, which took him out of the game. During the first quarter, uh, Wentz ran the ball and was hit by Seattle's uh, Clowney. And so no flag was thrown on the play, but it would force Wentz to sit out for the remainder of the game. Backup quarterback McCown replaced Wentz, but it was not enough as the Eagles lost to Seattle 17-9 in the closest matchup of the weekend. Following the game, uh, there was you know, basically uh, speculation, if you want to call it, that Clowney's hit was on purpose, and it ruled it as incidental. Um, so, you know, a lot of the Philly fans are not happy about that. While the Eagles were forced to rally around a backup quarterback in McCown, the Seahawks were led by the rookie wide receiver, uh, D.K. Metcalf. Metcalf had 160 receiving yards on seven catches, which became the most by any rookie in, the, in NFL history, which is an awesome feat. Uh, he also set the Seahawks' playoff record with his total receiving yards. Metcalf's record game also helped the Seahawks with the win, placing them in the NFC Divisional matchup against, obviously, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers on January 12th. So two six-seeds uh, teams emerge as winners uh, during this wildcard round. The road teams finish with a 3-1 and record, with two different six-seed teams winning their matchups. Pretty interesting and pretty impressive in that way. In the AFC, the six-seed Titans defeated the Patriots, while the NFC six-seed Vikings defeated the Saints. So this is the same thing happened during last year's wildcard rounds when the six-seed Philly Eagles defeated the Chicago Bears and the six-seed Colts ended up uh, ended the uh, Houston Texans um, AFC bid as well. So there you go. Um, what a weekend there for um, 
the NFL. Uh, wild stats as well for a lot of the players uh, on this weekend, and it was really interesting. Uh, Derrick Henry had a career day in the Titans win that eliminated, obviously, the Patriots. Uh, his 182 rushing yards were the most of any player in a single playoff game against the Patriots uh, versus Belichick in the Belichick era since 2000. Henry had 204 scrimmage yards, uh, bringing him to 444 career playoff scrimmage yards. That's totally impressive. He ranked second in scrimmage yards in the Super Bowl era for a player in their first three career playoff games, uh, only behind uh, Aaron Foster, 5'10". Um, so really impressive. The Titans are scary. Um, Baltimore's at two weeks off. We all know what Lamar Jackson can do. We all know what their defense is capable of doing. Two weeks off, will they have rust? It's really the question now. Everybody's asking that question today everywhere in the media. Is, uh, is our, or are the Ravens going to be rusty uh, versus a you know, team that just got off a big win? But um, we'll see what happens. The Titans also had 71 passing yards. Uh, 71 pass yards are the fewest by any team in the playoffs to win since uh, the Ravens did it. 34 defeated the Patriots in the playoffs. So, um, like I said, uh, Coach Rayroll is really get, getting this team ready. They looked like New England of old when you had the playbook. It really looked like he was playing the same playbook that Belichick had, and it worked to his favor. Now it is an opportunity for Tennessee to figure out can Ryan Tannehill take these Titans and Derrick Henry together, elevate and beat the uh, elusive and talented Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? The Ravens have been riding high all year. Uh, probably the best team in the AFC right now. Best team in the AFC. So for the Titans to take down the Ravens, if it happens, this will be a huge win, not only for Tennessee, it will be a huge win for this coaching staff. The amount of work that they put in bringing in Tannehill for Miami, uh, the changes that happen, everything put together in a short period of time here for Tennessee if they upset the Ravens, huge upset in this playoff format right now. So we will see how, what happens here in the divisional round, but it's going to be interesting to see. Um, tight end Anthony Fixter's 12-year receiving TD put the Titans on board in their win over New England. Fixter is the first player from Harvard to score a touchdown in the playoffs in NFL history. I don't know if you want to put that fact on there, but okay. So he's the first Harvard guy to ever score a touchdown in a playoffs in NFL history. So there you go. All right, you got to repeat it more than once. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, five, um, is the quarterback with the second most wins head to head against Tom Brady. Five wins against Tom Brady since 2001. That's including the playoffs. Uh, only Peyton Manning, six, had more wins over Brady. So, like I'm saying right here, the Titans are impressive. Their coaching staff have really put some work into it. So New England losing to the Titans marked the first time in Tom Brady's playoff career that he threw zero passing TDs and a pick six. It was the first such game of his career since uh, week seven of 2013 based on ESPN stats uh, when the Patriots lost to the Jets 30-27 to in overtime. So pretty impressive Tennessee team. If you haven't seen them, if you didn't, go back and watch it. Um, you can watch it on our uh, Facebook page at the Hub at NFL Recaps, NFL Game Recaps, and you see the highlights there. But Tennessee, really impressive. Tannehill, uh, this is a moment for him. Is he able to prove 
if you can beat Tom Brady and then you go to Baltimore and maybe take care of Lamar Jackson and this and these uh, Ravens that have been red hot all year, what an impressive road win that would be, two road wins, and the fact that you beat two one an upcoming uh, an upcoming legend basically in, in Lamar Jackson I would consider that uh, bar any health or you know injuries and Tom Brady of course so um, that really puts a, puts a damper on uh, on the uh, Patriot season a lot of uh, a lot of happy tweets uh, on Twitter when the Patriots lost a lot of memes everything everybody was just happy <laughs> New England out of that uh, sorry Erica Lynn but everybody's you know, happy that the evil empire is no longer in the playoffs. So everybody kind of just decided to get excited <laughs> over it. Um, so it's pretty funny. But at the same time, it's like, you know, there's a lot of fans that don't like the Patriots so much to repeat every year. So uh, let's talk about Deshaun Watson, uh, third quarterback in the Super Bowl era with a pass touchdown, a rushing touchdown, no giveaways, and a fourth quarter comeback in a playoff game. So that's pretty impressive. He joins uh, Ken Stabler. Hall of Famer of the Oakland Raiders, uh, and a Bart Starr. Uh, so that's the only other two players. So what a company there. Uh, Watson, very impressive when he needed to be in the playoffs. Uh, during the regular season, was up and down a little bit. Now really focused, and we'll see how that happens. The the biggest surprise, I think, um, and I mean, Callie Branson was there. So uh, Callie, you know, former uh, WFL alumni and D.C. Divas champion. She was there. Um with the Bills all year, what an impressive bunch of, uh, you know, players, uh, not necessarily just that, but the coaching staff in, in general. Buffalo really put up a big, really good fight all year, and they deserved to be in the playoffs. So the Bills led 16-0 before Houston got their final score in the third quarter, but Houston was able to pull out a 22-19 to win in overtime. So um, Bill O'Brien – Houston was previously 0-22 when trailing by at least 16 points in a game, including the postseason. So, you know, Buffalo fans, uh, very disappointed, I might add, at this point, but also very happy that the fact that they have something building there to uh, put themselves maybe in a return visit to the wild card or even to a playoff position. Um, Looks like New England's deteriorating. It could be a situation where, they might take over the division at some point here. Um, we say that every year, but it never really happens. Uh, the Jets and Miami, probably not the franchises that are going to like make an impact in the AFC East. Buffalo should be or could be that uh, team. And so we'll see you know, how they do next year in 2020. But for this year, an impressive season, hardworking team, got themselves into the playoffs against a very talented Texans team. Uh, and they just, unfortunately they lose uh, in overtime, 22 to 19, nothing, nothing you know, sad about it. They just, they fought to the end, but they just get edged. And so uh, there you go. But the return of JJ Watt um, after, you know, what, 60, 60 something days after a pictorial uh, muscle tear uh, in week eight, uh, Watt had one sack, marking his first postseason game with a full sack since the 2012. And then Watt also had two quarterback hits and one tackle for a loss in the win. So there you go. So there's an impressive return impact player. And so that difference maker there as well. 
And so uh, Deshaun Watson is also the third quarterback, uh, 24 years or younger, to record a comeback of at least 16 points in a postseason game uh, since, I think, 2000. So he joins Andrew Luck and I think Marcus Mariota as the only uh, players to do so. So both Luck and Mariota did it against the Chiefs uh, back in 2013 and 2017, respectively. Um, So there you go. But how impressive was Josh Allen for the Bills? Uh, First career playoff drive. His 42-yard run was the longest rushing play of the Bills' uh, season. Uh, His 16-yard TD reception on a pass from wide receiver John Brown was the longest playoff receiving TD by a quarterback in the Super Bowl era. The previous one was obviously uh, by uh, Mariota, six-yard pass to himself in 2017. But this is it. Impressive season. Josh Allen, the Bills. And like I said, shout out to Callie Branson and uh, the Buffalo Bills for an impressive season. Very, in, uh, very in, excited for um, Bills Mafia for the opportunity for them to just, you know, blow out and make it make it a great opportunity season for them. So the Bills and Texas matchup marked the first playoff game in the Super Bowl era in which two quarterbacks had at least 50 yards each. So Watson had 55 in the win, and Josh Allen had 92. Both quarterbacks led their respective teams in rushing. This is the first time since the 50s that uh, opposing starting quarterbacks led their teams in rush yards in a playoff game. So impressive uh, to see young quarterbacks coming and evolving. We're going to start to see that now. The evolution changes. We got Brady. We got Rodgers. Um, we got a bunch of other older quarterbacks now. They're transitioning out. We're going to see the Garoppolo's kind of emerge. Obviously, we're, we're starting to see Kirk Cousins come of age. Uh, Drew Brees probably going to be, you know, going away at some point here. Watson, Lamar, Jackson, Josh Allen. So there's a couple bunch of quarterbacks that, given the opportunity at this point, we're going to start to see them kind of blossom out and see where they land in terms of how they take their teams or elevate their teams on a yearly basis to a playoff format or a playoff opportunity. So there you go. Uh, don't forget, you guys can go to Zazzle.com forward slash Kurt Iron Beauties. You guys get up to 20% off at the No Joke Football Shop. Check it out. You can you know, order uh, Ellie Mazzilla's favorite shirt, spotlighted by, obviously, the talented photographer Mika Storm Photos. Thanks to Mika for the awesome photo. Check it out. Go there. Save up to 20% off at the No Joke Football Shop. Use the daily codes there and save big. You can also subscribe to Zazzle Black for about $9.99, and that's free shipping in the U.S., for the whole year, so 10 bucks gets you free shipping. That's a lot of savings. And uh, thanks for supporting our shop, and thanks to Zazzle for being our sponsor for six years. And uh, if you guys get a shirt or anything like that, check it out. Uh, it's on sale. Wait for the sale. You get up to 20% off, sometimes up to 40% off. You can also kind of browse um, Zazzle.com for other c- cool stuff like Disney, Marvel, and other name brands. So there's a lot of stuff you can do. You can go to our shop if you decide not to get anything from our shop. No big deal. There's a bunch of stuff on Zazzle you can actually order and, uh, and get as well. So check it out at Gridiron Beauty. So no joke football shop at Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauty. All right. So let's continue on here. Uh, the other magic uh, was Bills related before we get out of here. But John Brown threw a 16-yard TD pass to Josh on the first drive of the Bills loss to the Texans. So he also found Singletary for a 20-yard touchdown. Uh, so we're talking about I think uh, the opportunity for this Buffalo team to really elevate themselves to another level. 
And so um, I'm impressed. There was a lot of people impressed, especially on Twitter. Everybody's talking about it. But, the you know, hardship, obviously, for the loss. But uh, a good nucleus is being built in um, Buffalo Bills. So John Browns, Devin Singletary, Josh Allen, uh, Beasley's there now as well. So their, their opportunities are there for this team to uh, be a better team. And so um, they haven't been this great for a long time. Uh, I think they haven't been this this good. They haven't gotten to this level until like what their four their four uh, Super Bowl appearances. That's way back in the '90s. Uh, Thurman Thomas probably it's the last time we we talked about that. So uh, Buffalo really uh, you know impressive all year, and what a great team that they are. And uh, we're gonna probably get to see them in future in the future um, playoff runs if not the wild card runs at this point. So um, that was surprising. Uh, the other thing that's surprising, obviously, is Tom Brady and Drew Brees, obviously, out of the playoffs. So um, shocked, eh, I guess, two of the defining players of, what, the previous two decades. And so they're not in the playoff chase. We have Mahomes. We have Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, uh, Jimmy G., and we have uh, Russell Wilson and uh, Aaron Rodgers. But no Breeze and Tom Brady. So uh, there you go, exiting already. We won't know what Brady's status at this point is. Uh, he left it kind of open, kind of realizing that maybe he will return. Maybe, uh, a lot of speculation has been that he will shift to some other team to finish his career, which I think would be kind of horrible in a way. If you're not able to muster yourself for another season – why would you torture yourself? Why don't you just retire and you would be glorified and praised for being a patriot all this time? I mean, your career would end perfectly. You have nothing else to prove. You would be considered, you know, they're, they're probably going to put a statue right in front of that stadium, uh, just like they did with Magic Johnson and others. So, you know, why would you, you know, torture yourself and go to another team that's lousy or not so lousy when you can just retire completely? I mean, you got – more than enough money now. I'm pretty sure that's just the way it is. But, you know, what do you tell an athlete to just quit? Uh, some some of them just can't quit. It's just it's sort of like a drug. So we'll see what Tom Brady does at this point, whether he's able to do that after. So after a tense wild card weekend, uh, Kansas City proved to be the only one, uh, one of the last season uh, qualifiers to return to the divisional round. So um, the reigning MVP will be joined in the FC by – a soon-to-be, you know, Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson, maybe MVP in the future, but we'll see. So we'll see. Um, the Texans uh, pull another rabbit out of their hat on Saturday for their first playoff win, and the Titans team that found its identity when Ryan Tannehill obviously transformed himself into the season more surprising uh, gr- good offense against Brady. So the NFC field is more familiar, yet still features a Packers team with a first-year head coach, which is pretty impressive, if you might add, because McCarthy is now apparently in Dallas. And if anybody needed to know, McKenzie knows, and everybody else probably knew, Jason Garrett is probably going to land in New York, of all places. Look at that. Take a look at that. Interviewing for the Giants uh, gig. But uh, Jerry Jones finally made a decision to part ways with Jason Garrett, and here we are. And so there you go. McCarthy is going to land in 
Dallas, of all places. So we'll see how that works out. I mean, he had good Packer teams. Maybe this makes Dallas way better. Um, so we'll see about that. A 49ers team that transformed into a superpower overnight in 2019. And we get Kirk Cousins trying to build off his first playoff win. Um, so we'll get the matchup of Jimmy G and Kirk Cousins in the NFC divisional round. Very impressive uh, in, at this point in terms of, you know, how these two quarterbacks are going to – Cousins has been here long enough as a starter. Jimmy G with that one injury previous year really hindered him. Now Jimmy G's in a, in a groove if you want to call it. So now he's really primed to get to the next level. Uh, if Shanahan and Garoppolo, uh, if they take this to the next level, this could be what we've seen in New England. It could be a start of something similar to that. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, too, it's probably too premature, but you could see it at this point. So um, Brady and Breeze out of the playoffs – and the way the Saints, um, the Saints kind of just are, they're brutal. Their endings are brutal in the playoffs. I mean, last year against the Rams and then this year against the Vikings, nothing more difficult for them. Uh, New Orleans has outscored its opponents by at least 117 points in each of the past three seasons and has two playoff wins, three excruciating final play losses to show for it, which is not what Saints fans wanted to see. Uh, the opportunity was there, and it just seems like they always fall short at some point. A bad call, a uh, bad decision, something always happens. So um, I don't know at this point. You know, it just it, it's not good. So for the Patriots, and on, another, on the other hand, Brady's a handful, what, 11 titles or one? So, I mean, he's, he's had, like, a lot of opportunities. So Breeze and Brady both enter the offseason – uh, in similar situations, so their contracts, um, they got voyable contracts that could cause their respective teams pain, whether they stay or go. So, like I said, Brady needs to make a decision about whether he retires. Bree's probably in that same boat. Far safer bet to stay put, but, you know, I don't know. Both of these guys, I mean, they're all all-time legends. So, for you know, the bottom line is they've already made their mark. Um, they've made their mark already. So he's probably – both of these guys are going to have to make a decision in the offseason, you know. So the NFL players are a cold business. It's like you're in – it's the only series you know, or the only sport technically that you don't go a five-game series or a seven-game series, and it, it, is the, it is one and done. It is that brutal. So if you're not ready, and even if you're ready, the opportunity is there for you to get edged. And this is what happened to uh, Drew Brees at this point. So we'll see how that works out. So um, one big first thought for – let's see here. The Texans should – should, you know, thank the Titans, basically. Not only do, uh, do the Texans get to avoid a trip to Baltimore, as an example, but they get an extra day to rest before Sunday's game against the Chiefs. So um, Houston – has a tall order to take on Mahomes and the Chiefs. Um, so at this point, Houston's 31-24 win at Arrowhead in week six was pretty much the high mark for them. 
They held the ball on offense for nearly 40 minutes and held the Chiefs to seven points over the last three quarters. So Houston has been chasing that performance ever since that with consistency not being so good. They lost 41-7 to in Baltimore in week 11. Um, not so good against the Bills. And now Watson and the Texans are capable of playing better, but can they show up against Mahomes and the Chiefs? And is Kansas City going to have a rust factor? Like we talked about with Baltimore, the opportunity is there where they might have a, 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 a basically a rust, rust factor. So we'll see how that turns out. The Ravens should be thrilled with Saturday's results. So uh, the Titans are a more dangerous opponent in the divisional round than the Texans would have been, considering it's a good sign. Tennessee obviously goes on the road. Two road games here. Uh, like I said, Tannehill and Henry really stepping out here. So um, – any trip to Baltimore is going to be a tall order. And um, Brable and the Titans coach really are up. This is, this is a big test. This is going to be their biggest test in the divisional round at this point because the Ravens are perhaps the best regular season team since uh, the 2007 uh, New England Patriots. And the defense on the Titans side has a lot of question marks. The opportunity is there for uh, Lamar Jackson to literally exploit and just take over. And But the Titans at least have a coaching staff that is familiar with all this stuff. Like I said, more of a Patriots-type coaching staff. So Baltimore should be nervous. If a few bounces go their way, the Titans could upset. So we'll see what that happens, but we'll see how that – the Titans are a big underdog. That's what I'm trying to make my point here. They're a big underdog. The Texans would have presented a lesser challenge, of course, to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. So um, we'll see how that turns out. I'm excited to see that matchup. I think that is the one matchup out of all the matchups. Um, I think it's going to be the excitement one. Um, the other one I want to see is probably going to be Minnesota-San Minnesota, Francisco. So Saturday is going to be huge, kind of an, an eventful Saturday. Um, Holly knows I'm not rooting for the Niners. Of course, she knows she'll be here next week. So, of course, I'm not rooting for the Niners, but I'm rooting for the underdog, which would be the Vikings. So, Jodie Raylander and uh, Michelle Braun out there—they they probably know I'm right there. Um, so I'm I'm right there with the scroll. So uh, we'll see how that happens. But Niners are very impressive. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, the Vikings basically take care of the Saints in overtime. So um, momentum really is a key. Plenty of Super Bowl winners and runners-up uh, have gotten to this point, including last season's uh, New England Patriots. So Minnesota's week uh, 16 poor performance against the Green Bay Packers, not a big factor. They get Dav uh, Delvin Cook back, Adam Thielen on the field full, full strength. So Sunday's game against the Saints was the first time that that happened since week six. So combining those two players, putting it together, okay, Thielen's performance was included, obviously, two, two biggest grabs of Minnesota season, especially very encouraging for them. Uh, also, you know, Stephon Diggs out of the mix at this point. So Vikings able to hit enough big plays. That's what happened. They connected enough big plays where the Saints uh, were removed from the playoffs. So that really helps the Niners. Because the, uh, most Niner fans would have thought, hey, we're going to go up against the Saints again. 
which is one of their toughest matchups. And then they got Seattle. Can, you know, that happen? But at this point, uh, a tougher matchup than the Seahawks? Can Minnesota be that tougher matchup against the Niners? We'll see and how that works out. The Niners get uh, the favorite vote, basically. The Niners just get the preference uh, as the most talented roster left in the NFC. But at this point, it could be a shootout. San Francisco, Minnesota, we could see Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo in a shootout, or we could see a really grudge match uh, game here. Um, The edge is given to San Francisco, of course, given their record and their opportunities. They're at home. Uh, First playoff game at Levi Stadium, huge implications for them. They would not like to go down in defeat at the first playoff game in their new home. So that's going to be weird, and that would not be happy for the faithful, uh, especially Holly Custis, of course. Um, The Seahawks and the Packers, perfect divisional round to end the weekend. There's no predicting how a playoff weekend will unfold, but this is perfect. So we get to see basically Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, um, and they are the only two Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks left in this playoff round. And only one will represent the old guard on Championship Sunday. So Russell Wilson has a chance to represent the old guard. You know, the league is changing, and this is it. And so we get Rodgers and Wilson on Sunday. That's pretty awesome. And then we get the young guard, which is uh, Watson and Mahomes also at the same time. So pretty impressive at this point. Um, I don't know, you know, who's going to come across or who's going to, you know, who's going to win at this point. But if I got to make our predictions, I guess we should make our predictions now at this point. Um, I would say Frisco will win uh, just because they have the defensive edge. So I'll give it to them. Offensively, they're not not that great, but defensively, they're good. Minnesota, um, if they come with their A game, Thielen, uh, Cook, okay, and uh, Cousins, if they, if they show up like they did against the Saints, could have an upset here. And then Tennessee against Baltimore, uh, the favorite, obviously, is Lamar Jackson and company. The opportunity is there for Tennessee. Um, I was impressed. So uh, I'm going to take Tennessee. I better circle all this stuff down before I totally forget. So we're taking Frisco. And then next week we're going to talk about it uh, when Holly comes out. We'll see what the result is. And then on Sunday, Houston, Kansas City. uh, Opportunity is there for Kansas City to really elevate themselves. This is a must win for them. This is to show the fans, to show the AFC that they are a premier team, given the fact that there's no Patriots anymore. There's no Patriots in the mix. Can Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes basically replace New England? So that'll be a Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs are capable of doing that. Watson is capable of, of the upset, just like they did against the Bills. Um, we'll see that. And you have an opportunity here, as my buddy uh, texts me, we have an opportunity to see Aaron Rodgers return to the Bay Area if San Francisco defeats Minnesota, as it's, if it turns out that way. We have Aaron Rodgers coming back to the Bay Area at Levi Stadium for the second playoff game and the opportunity to beat the Niners in his homeland background. Pretty good storyline there. Or we're going to get Russell Wilson 
and the Seahawks taking care of the Niners on the road and upsetting the Niners at home. So that's the storylines right there, pretty much. If if Rodgers wins, go back to the area, Bay Area guy. Seattle comes back. Here's another round of Niners and Seahawks, NFC West clash. Uh, pretty impressive at this point. So um, I'm I'm looking forward to this whole thing because this is what it's going to be. This is this is what it turns out to be. I mean, uh, I don't know if you're tickled pink, but I'm completely, and I I want to just I can't wait. Saturday's going to be awesome, and you get to watch it as well. And so we'll, we'll see how that turns out. So let's talk about a little bit of the coaching staff. And so uh, coaching staff purges. Uh, biggest news was probably Ron Rivera going out during the holiday season because we didn't have any podcasts before this. So holiday season, Ron Rivera leaves or gets fired from the Panthers. And so um, at this point, uh, the Redskins decided to fire Jay Gruden. And then it was, like I said, Rivera in December, heading into the next season here. And then you got Jason Garrett just recently. So there was a lot of things that happened in terms of timelines for a lot of coaches and a lot of coaches are looking for jobs at this point. And this is pretty much what it is in terms of trying to get, you know, who's going to replace who and who's going to go where. So it looks like the announcement about Garrett, um, nobody thought it would happen, but it did happen. So at this point, the Giants, I believe, uh, fired Schumer after a 9-23 and record in two seasons. Pretty dismal, pretty crappy. Then the Jaguars added to the drama, and they t- and they uh, with Doug Marone. So it's like everybody was getting fired. Pretty much all coaches were on the chopping block. Uh, Ron Rivera, uh, obviously, once he got fired, um, he was expected to be named new Redskins head coach. So um, Troy Wilson should be happy. Ron Rivera, way better upgrade than all the other coaches that they've had in a long time. So. But at the same time, you don't know what is he, what is he going to do. What is he capable of doing? So um, the Panthers and Giants were also uh, entertaining um, Eric uh, Benenemy this week. And Carolina was also entertaining him. So there's a lot of co- uh, assistant offensive coaches or coaches on other teams um, that are entertaining, of course, to have that. Uh, new coaches looking for that. Uh, coaches uh, McCar- McCarthy was rumored starting the week to uh, go to the New York Giants and then ended up being he went to obviously the Dallas Cowboys you have Josh McDaniels uh, going to uh, I guess kind of look into the possibility at this point of maybe interviewing for the Browns Giants and Panthers gig so we'll see how that turns out at this point Um, but there's a lot of shifting in here, and so the Cowboys, I think, really win. Uh, Mike McCarthy, pretty much a better upgrade, um, but I want to say at the same time, maybe similar to Garrett in a lot of ways. So the other consideration was uh, Marvin Lewis, and I don't know, you know, why, but anyways, Marvin Lewis did have a pretty good run in um, Cincinnati, of course, and so there you go. And then the other uh, consideration is Cleveland was taking advantage of talking to defensive coordinator Robert Saleh of the 49ers. And so um, we'll see 
where everybody lands, but the Cowboys probably the biggest move. Um, they didn't waste any time during their uh, new coach. Less than 24 hours, they, they got rid of Garrett. That was on Monday. And then uh, pretty much brought in McCarthy. So the Giants uh, are supposed to, like I said, interview Josh McDaniels and Jason Garrett. So we'll see how they go. Um, Jason Garrett seems to be the front runner. So the Giants have uh, requested an interview with Garrett, who's basically still under contract until the middle of the, of the month. So if the Giants want to talk or hold an interview, they would have to wait until like the 14th to do that. Um, so there's a lot of uh, controversy over in New York to replace and get a new coach on there. So that's the latest in terms of the coaching carousel in terms of the NFL. And it happens every season and um, obviously it happens more so than not with a lot of players, but Rivera going to Washington is a good uh, upgrade. Uh, McCarthy is going to bring something brand new to the Cowboys regime. Uh, so we'll see where McDaniels lands. We'll see where all these other coaches land. Uh, obviously, the Browns just keep recycling coaches. It's just the way it is. It's just like they just go through it and start recycling and recycling and recycling. So uh, once again, I remind you guys, go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash career and beauty. You guys can get uh, the latest news. Uh, we have the best network on the planet, bar none, covering women's American football news and notes. And we have the best network on the planet, period. Uh, we have, you know, amazing talented individuals globally now giving us, feeding us, doing everything, videos, uh, articles, photos, everything, you name it. Sort of uh, as one of our followers said, the ESPN of women's American football, which we'll, 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 we'll take that. We'll, we'll take that, of course. Um, so the best network on the planet is working hard for you every week, and we get stories and everything else that's happened, so don't miss out. So, uh, share our post, like our post, follow us. We're at 7,300 strong today, 7,300 strong today on Facebook, but our reach Wait for it. Our reach is almost 8,000. So we have 7,300 followers, but we have almost 8,000 people viewing us on a weekly ba- or weekly basis, if not uh, within the week's basis. So I really, really am proud, and I want to thank, like I said, all the network uh, partners that we network with, everybody that helps us to feed you information about the talented women that play women's American football globally, and we are more than happy to bring it out to you. Uh, subscribe to our Apple podcast, it really helps our, our penetration as well. It really helps our reach. It really uh, elevates the awareness of us speaking about women's American football and bringing that to light. And so, um, you know, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. There's a link right there on our Facebook page. You can go to Google Cast, just search Great Iron Beauties. Go to TuneIn, Great Iron Beauties. And on the biggest platform on the planet, iHeart Podcasts, you can also do Great Iron Beauties on there, and you can find us. So over 300 podcasts, over 300 opportunities to listen and to just be aware. And uh, so we're very proud of that. And once again, thanks to all our network partners that do an amazing job for making us the best network on the planet covering women's American football. So thank you very much. Um, let's go to college football here. We are going to have Nate Ward coming in in about a uh, half hour here. And we're going to talk about the transformation of Legends Football League to this new branded 
X League. So X League now for 2020. A lot of changes coming. Uh, we're going to talk to Nate about that. And at the bottom of the hour, we're going to have everything. We'll have the rundown. Starting this, this time around, we'll have the, the women's rundown, and that's going to cover everything internationally that uh, you missed during this week or, ne- or last week. We're going to be talking about a lot of things that are happening in the game with a lot of news and notes as well. WFLA is going to be over in the Super Bowl, pre-Super Bowl day, February 1st. They've announced that. So there's a lot of athletes, a lot of players, a lot of, you know, all the women athletes and uh, ballers are now hyped. They are, they have attached themselves, if you want to say, to the WFLA brand. Uh, WFLA is supposed to kick off an exhibition season starting in May 2020. Uh, given uh, the information that they gave out on their uh, official sites. We're excited to see what the exhibition tour is going to look like. Um, Santia uh, Deck was announced as a first contract, big-name contract uh, athlete that was uh, paid by them, I guess. And so there's a lot of questions regarding the WFLA in terms of structure, in terms of how they're going to get themselves up and running and ready for 2021. So we'll see what the exhibition season will look like at this point. And so not to sit here and say we're not hopeful that that will happen, but um, Lupe uh, Rose, the founder of the WFLA, a lot of promises being made by her in terms of getting um, women's American football to a paid state level. There's a lot of struggles in the past for the pay-to-play mentality. She is confident She's driving that in a message by saying, hey, we're going to get to the next level. We're going to pay these girls what they deserve. And so, you know, the opportunity, if she can get it done, is going to be huge. Um, There is opportunity there where they're going to probably have to scale back because there's not enough probably interest at this point. So they're going to have to reevaluate their formatting somehow, some way. Um, But that's my opinion, not their opinion. And so they're still looking for um, opportunities. If you went to our Facebook page on our at the hub, you could see sh- her message was out there, and she's they're looking for coaches, everything else for certain franchises. They're also looking for athletes for tryouts coming up. They're going to be announcing other tryouts before the exhibition tour, our exhibition games. There's be, apparently there's supposed to be nine. So we'll keep tabs on the WFLA. And you guys can go to w, w, WFLA Women's uh, Football, um, Women's Football, uh, was it F- Football League Association, Women's Football League Association on Facebook, and you can go to WFLA underscore football on uh, Instagram. So we'll check it out there as well. So check it out there. So let's talk college football. We got basically we're down to the one or more college football games in the bowl season. So. Um, Last year, the ACC and the SEC led the way with six postseason wins each, including Clemson's win over Alabama for the national title. This year, the SEC leads the way with seven wins and no one in sight to catch them. So the conference is what it is. They have one more game before the bowl season ends when LSU and Clemson face off on January 13th for the college football playoff championship. So there you are. So that's an exciting time. To do that so it was a pretty interesting article that i read on um i believe let me see the source i think it was ncaa.com 
pretty interesting article I read about, you know, which conferences uh, actually, you know, what their records were versus other other conferences and their bowl in their bowl status. So that was pretty interesting to see. But at this point, um, it's there was like 38 bowl games, <laughs> which is a lot of bowl games. And I didn't watch all of them. I watched like certain ones. I didn't get a chance to pretty much watch any majority of them because, you know, doing the holidays, you're doing Christmas and everything else. Unless you're a real diehard college football fan and you put yourself in that situation, then you're going to watch it. But if you're not, um, you're just going to breathe through, uh, breeze through and scroll through your stuff. So at this point, the only uh, real, uh, I guess, overreaction would be Michigan's 36-16 to 16 loss to Alabama. I guess uh, the Wolverines were within a touchdown entering the fourth quarter. And so Alabama with a pair of big plays made a close game and made uh, Michigan look pretty ugly. So this isn't a normal, but Alabama entered the, the Citrus Bowl, obviously not having Tua Tagovailoa, not having Tara Lewis, not having Tevon Diggs. Um, so they obviously, they were basically – uh, injured, in other words, and potentially un- unmotivated at this point coming in. But Michigan did, just didn't matter, I guess. So Jim Harbaugh's stats existing in his fifth season on Annabelle, he's 0-5 against Ohio State, 1-10 as an underdog, 1-4 in bowl games, and 2-10 and against top 10 teams. So um, I don't know what you say. Uh, Michigan's just not that good, I guess, when it comes down to it. Uh, they don't have the talent, I guess, to match up with either Ohio State or Alabama week to week. So, I mean, they just – they don't. So, there you go. That's that's what happened there. So, the other, the other game was LSU uh, embarrassed Oklahoma. There's nothing positive about this game. This is one of the games I watched. Uh, my buddy said, hey, watch this game. This should be a good game. It was not a good game. So, he kind of, like, lied to me. It was a big lie right there. Uh, you couldn't even put a positive spin on this game. 63-28, it was a peach bowl dismantling, pretty much. Um, just didn't happen. Just The Sooners just, yeah. They reached the playoffs, which is a testament to, uh, you know, what the coaching staff can do, but they helped drag the worst Oklahoma football team since 2006 to the playoffs. That's it. So the group had holes, uh, no offensive line, in, you know, offensive line experience. Uh, they had obviously running back injuries, lack of defensive depth, but you, you, you name it. They were not playing solid. And uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, I mean, Hurts is the most impactful player of the college football player of it. He's, uh, I think he'll be a good a good mid-round pick in the NFL draft, but the difference between him and Kyler Murray is extreme. So Riley found a way to bend his offense to Hurts' strength, highlighting Hurts' rushing ability and helping him obtain similar numbers than Murray, but and Baker Mayfield. But at this point, that's largely due to the scheme, I guess. So Oklahoma will be better in 2020. Um, There's a five-star passer named Spencer Rattler who will be behind a much more experienced offensive line, and we'll see how that goes. The Sooners' defense seems to be a step behind elite SEC teams, and it showed. So there you go. So Minnesota winning over Auburn. Um, at this point, that was also a good matchup. Western Michigan, 13-win 13, 13 2016 campaign uh, at this point. One-hit wonder under uh, P.J. Falk's direction. So, 
you had Minnesota, an 11-win season, capping the season off with an Auburn upset. So the Gophers, 31-24 win to basically, you know, come alive at this point because they've done so well. It's majority of the teams returned. So um, Tyler Johnson returned, uh, Russia Rodney Smith departs. Uh, or I'm sorry, they're both departing. Uh, but none others uh, starters should be back. So there's a core there uh, for this team to continue. The Gophers have recruited well under Coach Flex, so if they stay on course, uh, Minnesota's set up for success. So the Gophers have a reasonably favored non-conference um, schedule, FAU, Tennessee Tech, BYU. Uh, their toughest cross-division opponent obviously was Michigan. Um, so they could be – at this point, they're being considered basically the, the Big Ten favorite uh, right along with uh, maybe Wisconsin at this point. So uh, the other thing that happens, Texas, Texas A&M, uh, the Longhorns and Aggies secured eight and five seasons with ranked bowl wins. Texas beat number 11 Utah by 28. Well, Texas A&M uh, upended number 25 Oklahoma State by a field goal. Both victories capped off their pretty, uh, you know, kind of a downer season, I guess, for both programs. So, um, but you saw some sort of glimpse there. If you start with Texas, their domination of Utah is a glimpse of what the Longhorns are capable of when they're really healthy. The problem is consistency with their Texas is far too good to have a finish seven and five in the regular season. Um, so these are all my notes that I gathered from like various sources. Um, and so a lot of people were, you know, impressed, I guess, if in dominating a win over, over Utah. And so Texas and AM as well is, is just a different type of team, but a bowl went over a ranked Ohio, Ohio, I mean, Oklahoma state did boost the uh, Aggies into a good off season. So, there you go, um, and that's all I have. Pretty much everything else was uh, just a lot of bowl games to deal with, and so at this point, the big bowl game that's going to come up, we're looking at the big matchup, and so uh, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson rally beat Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl, 29-23, and that was a huge moment for him. So the Tigers will have a chance to play the number one seed LSU in the college football playoff national championship as Clemson will try to win back-to-back national championships. Um, so there you go. What a matchup. And this is a matchup of that everybody's been waiting for. Uh, Ohio State didn't look very good against Clemson. And so it just didn't pan out good for them. And we'll see how that goes. But it's going to be interesting. LSU – Taking care of that, and we'll, we'll look at the we'll look at the ball game here. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it turns out, but it's going to be interesting to see who's going to win it all at this point in the college football. So, number three seed Clemson defeated number two seed Ohio State, um, and so LSU crushed Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl, sixty-three to twenty-eight, and we have the clash there: LSU against Clemson. Really impressive. Uh, opportunity for both of these programs to step up. Clemson would would love to just go back to back. That would be an amazing thing to do that. So we'll see how that pans out at this point. All right. Um, let's see here. We got notes, news and notes. I got that on there. So we'll be talking in about in about uh, 15 minutes here. We're going to talk to Nate Ward. It's going to take us into the insides of 
the former Legends Football League converted to rebranded and transformed into X League for 2020. All franchises renamed, and all the franchises have been shifted. Um, Nashville Knights, as we announced before the league even officially announced, Nashville Knights, based on our network sources, will now be the Kansas City Force, and they will play in Kansas City. So Nashville is no longer, so um, now it is Kansas City Force. All the teams have been shifted. So 2020 for Legends Football League has been shifted. Um, The Force moving from Nashville to Kansas City. Atlanta gets renamed from the Atlanta Steam to the Atlanta Empire. The Denver Dream gets a new name. It is the Denver Rush. The LA Temptation uh, will now be the Los Angeles Black Storm. The Seattle Miss will now be the Seattle Thunder. The Omaha Heart will now be the Omaha Red Devils. The Austin Acoustic will be now the Austin uh, Sound. And then the Chicago Bliss will now be the Chicago Blitz. So there you go on in those instances. So we'll see how it turns out. Same format, same structure, similar to what you have with uh, Legends Football League and Lingerie Football League before that. Just a brand new look, free restructured. There's supposed to be some changes coming from our sources um, that would benefit the players uh, until we see it, until we officially uh, you know, get to the players to acknowledge that those changes are obviously are in effect. Not going to happen. Uh, we are trying to get uh, Chantel Taylor onto the podcast to talk about the internal issues um, of the Lingerie Football League and Legends Football League. She was on Instagram, and she got a little bit of a backlash from uh, the LFL by being blocked on Instagram for answering a uh, a fan's question of whether they got paid or not. And so she answered it truthfully and in reality, and apparently uh, ownership at the LFL took offense to it, and they decided to basically block her. And so what do you what do you say to that? Four-time LFL champion, and she gets blocked. So goes to show that uh, Mitchell Mortaza, uh, the professionalism there, is obviously not in the truth. He'd rather feed us more lies, I guess, if you want to call it that. But Chantel Taylor is very impressive. Um, we have coach. We had Coach Hack, a you know multi-time ch- uh, championship coach for the Chicago Bliss as well on the podcast here before. If you can search him out on Apple Podcasts as well as I, on iHeart, and he expressed the same thing that the sport could have been elevated in a different way. He could have been the first person to pay players. He could have elevated this this uh, arena style um, format into a better format. It would have been one of the first things to help you know, women's sports in terms of revenue and sharing and everything else. And he just refused to do it. And we're talking about Mitchell Mortaza in general. And so here we go. We got former players. Most of the LFL players or veteran players or all-star players or superstar players, as an example, most of them are jumping to the WFLA. Uh, they're, I would say they're taking a gamble at this point because we have no idea what the WFLA is going to be about until they play a, a one down 
or until they show us the exhibition games and how well they're managed and how well their performances will be and everything else. At this point, all the players are banking on the fact that the WFLA will be, you know, totally different and, and going forward, obviously improve on what hasn't happened in women's uh, American football here in the States. Uh, whereas the pay to play model has been working for 30 something years. So everybody's banking on the WFLA to elevate the game. So a lot of LFL superstars, former champions and athletes have decided to, um, you know, commit in, in that regard to the WFLA for the 2020 season um, in terms of uh, exhibition season. And a lot of them are waiting for 2021 when uh, WFLA originally announced that they were going to do a 32 team format and everybody was going to get paid. So I don't know what the everybody's going to get paid mode looks like at this point because based on revenue and everything else that's going to happen during the exhibition game, all those things can change. But based on a promise by the CEO of the WFLA, a lot of things are in the works for the uh, players and the league to afford to pay the players. So that's where we stand right now. And uh, X-League will kick off April 4th. And that's going to be in April 2020. Same formatting, same everything. The branding has not changed. Um, if you go to all their social media sites, the only thing, the only difference has changed is uh, the redesign of their websites changed. More basic uh, Wix type of website, I guess if you want to call it. And then uh, on Twitter, they still have their handle of my LFL. So that hasn't changed yet until they change it. Uh, X X League hasn't changed on most of the social sites. So um, either they're lagging behind it to rebrand it or what. But we're going to talk to um, Nate Ward coming up here in a couple minutes, and uh, we're going to kind of discuss all these things that's happening here in uh, the rebrand of the LFL versus the X-League, or now X-League. We're also going to talk about news and notes as once we get done with Nate, uh, Nate we'll talk news and notes about the women's game, a lot of things happening in the offseason. Um, sadly, um, Vero Rosales from Lexfa uh, passed away on December 25th of all days, uh, December 25th, 2019, and she passed away there. And then uh, previous to that, or I mean, a little bit, a couple of days later, uh, Coach Justin Alfalo of the Utah Girls Tackle Football League also passed away. So, um, you know, um, our condolences go out to their families, to the players that obviously they, they coached, and to the leagues that they play in, um, you know, I know Coach uh, Justin was really uh, instrumental in getting the Valkyries uh, program in the Utah Girls Football League uh, up and running and, and where, where it's at now. And so uh, a lot of credit goes to him there. And uh, so his family should be proud that he's contributing and contributed to the um, success of one of the one of the one of the teams as well as to the Utah Girls Tackle Football League to evolve it as a feeder system as we see it in Utah. And then um Vero Rosales, very talented uh, athlete as well as well as coach. And uh so, you know, she played a lot of a lot of years in uh Lexfa and Jets Valbuena and a lot of the other teams as well. So she will be missed. Uh talented player plus obviously a talented coach at this point. So uh, those are kind of like the two sad notes out of the whole Christmas. Uh, you never want to really dive into that, but at the same time, it is uh, reality, and that's what happened. And and so uh, you know, hats off to the Utah Girls Football League for um, you know 
for mentioning to us about Coach Afalo. And then Lexfell obviously pro, um, posted it up for Vero Rosales. So there was kind of extreme, two extreme passaways there. So condolences to their families and and uh, they're obviously the players in the leagues and all the leagues that are out there as well. All right. Um, check it out. Go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Cordiron Beauties. Uh, we are at 7,300 strong today. We should get to 8,000 soon here, and we'll see how that works out. But um, we'll see how that, you know, pans out for us in terms of that. But we'll see who's going to get us to 8,000. So far, we've been pretty good for eight, for almost 8,000. So uh, I am very proud that we got to that level, and and we're going to get probably to a different level. Our goal is to get to 10,000. So hopefully um, we can work it out. And so um, I'm trying to figure out here, uh, let me see here, one second, getting a little bit of a message here from everybody else. So um, if we get to 10,000, it's going to be pretty impressive. We're almost at 22,000 right now. If we get to that next level, um, our goal this year is to do sponsor, uh, sponsor uh, ads on Facebook as well as on Twitter. So we're getting to another level of a budget mode. So thanks to you guys for buying our shirts, buying our leggings, buying our gifts, everything at the shop at the No Joke Football Shop. Really appreciate you guys going there. Every every sale helps us promote another player on there. On top of that, it helps us promote the game itself, you know, women's American football. So, um, you know, shout out to everybody that's helped us along the way, Lauren Evans, Christy Moran, um, you know, Phoebe Sketcher, um, now Ellie Mazzola, plus all the other athletes, Sasha Cruz. And, uh, you know, all the other athletes, uh, Brooke Leash, and the many, many no-joke football athletes that have come on board with us as well, uh, Titania Blaze as well. So thank you to them and Anna Garza as well, big old impactful. And so if you guys go to the shop, you buy there, what we do is recycle the dollars that we get there So from every sale, and we end up spotlighting another talented athlete that plays the game. And it's going to help us obviously bring awareness to the sport too. So helps us out all tremendously as well. So we'll find out, um, you know, when we get that level, we're going to go sponsorships on Instagram and on Facebook. And we plan to do it on Twitter uh, as often as we can. And there's going to be big sales there. So you'll probably see our sponsor ads at some point on your news feed. And that's going to be pretty awesome to have. And to, so you can check it out there. And uh, we'll, we'll be basically promoting more and more and more this year than we did any other year. Uh, we ramp, re-ramped our shop last year. We've done pretty well this year. So now we're really focused on that at, the, at this point. And uh, we'll, see, we'll see where we get, but it's been a pretty exciting ride so far in terms of where we get at and stuff like that. So um, let me see here. Um, I have some notes here. Let's see here. Be one second. Grab my notes. Grab my notes here. There we go. Yep. So let's see if we got Nate on the call now so we can talk uh, Legends football here. So let's see here. Hey, Nate, are you on? I am, Oscar. How are you? Hey, Happy New Year, Nate. What's going on? I hope your Christmas is well. It went really well. A bit quiet this year than usual, but it was worth it. Awesome. Uh, Nate, um, I just talked about uh, last hour. So uh, Seattle, uh, they get out of Green Bay with the win, and we get the re- reclash with the Niners. What, what's your prediction? 
Um, it's funny. I was just talking with my mom about this earlier. You know, I see you think about it. I don't know if you saw the, the graph that was presented. Mm-hmm. I think it was a couple of days ago where they were showing the strength of schedule for each team. You know, we've had the, the toughest road and the, um, the hardest journey. So we got the experience at our back. So I think any road it goes, um, I think we have a shot. I personally would like to see them play San Francisco on the road. I know a lot of people have been saying, well, we want a home game, but when you look back over the season, that's been sort of the Achilles heel of, um, of this team this year. It's been, you know, road or no, so to speak. Well, impressive is a Philadelphia win. The win in Philadelphia was pretty impressive, but if you take away Wentz uh, and the controversial hit and everything else that happened in that game, uh, a lot of people saying, hey, maybe Seattle wouldn't have gotten out of, out of there with a win if you had Wentz in there. But given Wentz's history, I mean, what do you say, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I think even – well, I think even with Wentz, I think it was going to be a good game. I think it was going to come down to, you know, who was who was hurting more. And obviously we figured out that Wentz, given his history, was the one that was hurting for certain. Um, so I think if he's in, he's fully healthy. I think it's a lot tougher fight than it was. And there, there were a few calls both ways. I mean, the entire day between both games we saw that. So, I mean – it's just kind of where the NFL is right now. It's who's healthier and, you know, who's going to be on the right side of the stripes. <laughs> did it surprise you that New Orleans fell to Minnesota at this point? Did, did it shock you? Because when I saw that, I'm like, it didn't really surprise me because they had Rudolph and Thielen back. And, you know, Cousins had two weapons to work with. Min, uh, New Orleans really was relying on their run game more so than their passing game. And I think that's really where, you know, the factor was. Oh, I think there was a lot of factors that went into it. I think, you know, uh, Minnesota getting, you know, like, like you mentioned, a couple of top-notch guys back, um, I think um, put them in a in a position to, to be um, better prepared. And I think with New Orleans, what we saw was a lot of um, misdecision, miscues, I know, on that. Particularly on that last play, I think, you know, there was enough mismatchups that I'm surprised that um, they didn't they didn't take the time out and rethink what they're going to do. I think it's a different end result. Um, you know, people can blame, you know, officiating and um, you know push off for here and the you know rip off for a second year in a row there. But you look at the decisions that New Orleans was making through the game and. You know, it was like a marathon runner crashing through a hurdle and then, you know, mm-hmm. not learning from that first mistake and continuing to crash again and again around the track. Um, they kind of fell themselves there. And I, I feel bad for them, but at the same time, it was like, you know, you're, you know, you made the bed, you laid in it. <laughs> yeah. And I, it's just, just so unfortunate that they always get some controversial issue or they always have something in their playoff that doesn't go in their way. It just, I feel bad for him. It's just like a bad omen or something. Oh, no doubt. I mean, you almost, you know, you you don't want to, you, you want to know that, you know, things, I mean, we kind of go back to last year and we see how, you know, the whole thing with a, a pass interference review really mm-hmm. changed and that it didn't. And we saw that, you know, New Orleans got the short straw again. It's just like, you know, 
where and a lot of teams this year, and you know we've seen in the playoffs. You still there, Nate? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, a, a, a little bit of cut out. I don't know if it's uh, are you on cell phone too? Yeah, I am. Um, okay, no problem. Actually, yeah, right. yeah. Um, I agree with you. I think it was just that that type of deal. Um, your prediction will it be San Francisco over Minnesota or Minnesota over San Francisco? Oh, I see San Francisco over Minnesota by and far. You know, you're talking um, just a, a tank that's running through the yeah. You still there? I think you're having cutting. Uh, you're cutting in and out. So I don't know if it's. Uh, are you on the road right now? No, I'm in. I'm. I'm at home. Uh, okay, no problem. Thought maybe was in the road. Um, so I was impressed with Tennessee, Nate. Pretty impressive. Uh, I think uh, Coach Vrabel p- played the Belichick game plan to a T, and I think Lamar Jackson is their biggest test. If they can upset, if they can upset the Ravens, it'll it'll be the huge win for this franchise. But it'll be a stunner for the divisional round. Oh, to see, uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be a huge road test. But to 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 see the um, to see the reaction of Bill Belichick when one of his his own uh, one of his own students was using his own that tactic was, classic, was priceless. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, he just got he just got the same medicine he would have dished out. It's basically what it turned out to be. John goes over to warn him about you know the next one. You know that's his gimmick. I'm I'm doing what he did. Don't be telling me what to do. I'm just doing what he. Did. Yep. It was it was just one of those things where I kind of see where the fact that he's building his program almost like the Patriot way, where, where Tannehill is the Brady. You know what I mean? He's got a good run game. Right. Probably a better, better, probably better run game than Patriots have ever had. And he's got some good, you know, he's got a good tight end, and he's got some. If he picks up some decent receivers, uh, this this Titan team can be a factor. And if they beat Baltimore of all teams this year, if they take down Lamar Jackson, that would be the biggest upset in 2019 right now. It it would be. Uh, You know, I I watched when the Ravens were here, and I'm. I am open to saying this. I am polling for Tennessee over Baltimore. Baltimore is my East Coast team, but I am saying it right here, right now. I'm going Titans. Yeah. I, I, I'm I rooting for the underdog. I think a lot of people are going to be rooting for the underdog. Um, and Tannehill would be – Tannehill would end up elevating himself to another level of conversation. where We've never been that friendly to Tannehill in his career. So oh, yeah, level, that's the levels yeah. above. Yeah, he would he would actually get mentioned more than once <laughs> from his Miami days of pretty bad days, you know. Um, the other matchup is Mahomes against Watson. The Texans have not shown consistency. Uh, the question is, will Kansas City rust be a factor? That's the question. I think I think what do you think? Part, you know, you, you meant. 
you you mentioned the the Texans haven't been perfect, and I think back to the fact that it took a very very close overtime. I, I think it goes two ways. It's either Kansas City's rust gets to them, or the Texans um, uh, pull another thing, pull, yeah. pull another win under their hat <laughs> by surprise. Well, pull, pull, um, pulling out of their hat, or their energy is still sapped from the. Yeah, I, I just I think they have an opportunity, if anything. So you still there? I think you're, I think uh, your phone's cutting out, or I don't know what's going on. But you're in and out right here. Let's see. Yeah. All right. Here. Give that a second. How about now? You you sound great now. Okay, perfect. Perfect. All right, let's talk. Um, can we see Mitchell Mortaza moving on from the LFL, as rumors pers- have been saying, or can we say no? Hmm. You know, I've been thinking about this since you and I last talked, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna say for now, based upon what I've seen over social media and over where you know they're still doing film stuff and where they're recording, I'm gonna say no. No. So you're with I'm, me. Right. Okay. So here's the situation that I get into a lot of times. Since I'm blacklisted, just make just make sure everybody's got the facts. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm black. <laughs> okay. Um, right. It's kind of the same way that uh, Chantel Taylor is now blacklisted. <laughs> Off yeah, no kidding. Uh, anyways, um, I'm thinking myself, uh, does this legal factor with uh, Johnson and Margillis, is this, is this a forced rebrand? Because it's really surprising, you know? that he just rebrands in 2020. And if you look at some of the factors behind the court case and everything else that's happening, you would think that's one of the reasons he had to rebrand, but that's all, like I said, speculation and based on, you know, information through the legal public legal stuff. um, That's another option because he was sued by them. Right. I, and I, I, I I mean, he sued him basically. No, yeah, yeah, I um, I I agree with um the speculation that it has to do with the with the the legal situation, but I also think I mean it, it goes two ways. The top one I think is the legal reasons, and I think the underlying is when you switch the legends, you still have the acronym, and it never lost that whole thing of oh that L could still stand for lingerie football league. Right. So I think yeah, it's twofold. I... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I I agree with you. Oh, I I was gonna I was gonna say, but the the top most is that that whole legal thing and how the what was it the Legends Football League LLC or whatever mm-hmm. um, is part of the suit. So I think if he you know he covers that up, then. I think if he covers that up, I think he's trying to just cover his tracks and keep going while putting the the other company name 
you know, behind him. So, and, so he's basically sidewinding or switching, and he's just basically not – you know, the rebrand is basically an escape from something. For, for me, it would be a rebrand escape from a legal demand. That's really what it boiled down to because he, he even changed right. all the names. The league name changed. All the names got revamped, and you moved Nashville out of – he left Nashville to go to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? It's kind of weird in that sense. He removed that. And Nashville, I think, was the only franchise-owned franchise, and I'm not sure if because Danica is probably not involved anymore somehow – that maybe that was the reason why they just you know he just left or the ownership there decided that it wasn't profitable enough in Nashville, you know at this point. So, I mean these are all like I said speculations. We're all speculating based on what we see or what we read. Um, right. Kansas City. I don't see a fit there. I just I don't understand why he would go to Kansas City. Um, I do see a a link there because obviously you know if you're gonna if you're gonna play Omaha, Kansas City. The road trip's less. You have to pay less for airfare right. for all the players, that kind of deal. So that makes sense. Um, so that makes sense for, for that purposes. Um, Seattle to the Thunder? Seattle Thunder? I mean, you had such a, such yeah. a core, you know what I mean? Such a core base there. The best the best arena in uh, the former Legends Football League. Why would you kill it like that? He could have renamed it. He could have just renamed the uh, Washington Mist or something. He could have easily, yeah. Because, um, I mean, you're you're right. You had an incredible – it'll be interesting to see how that reflects on the, the attendance because you had, you know, the best crowd. You had a totally perfect nickname for them. So that's really weird. And then you mentioned Kansas City. I mean, I look back at um, – quite a few other leagues that have gone over there. I mean, obviously the NFL is the biggest one there, but there's like, it, it's, um, what do we say? Oversaturating. Um, yeah. Because there's at least, I think four, maybe five other indoor arena type teams there. Not that they're women's, but you know, you're, you're going into yeah, and then and you have, a couple of them just started. And you also have WFA presence there. WNFC presence. Yes. yes you you yes. have the outdoor league. In other words, there. So, I mean, I don't know where you're thinking. Where are you going to pull 20 players unless all those players are going to come from the outdoor women's leagues or something? But anyways, um, Atlanta's renamed the Empire. Denver, uh, it was a nightmare, so I guess you go with Rush. Sounds better. So, yeah. unless they get Rush in you know, 2020. Uh, Black Storm, <laughs> I don't know, man. That just, that's a dud. Yeah. L.A. Black Storm. That sounds like a dud. Black Storm. Just doesn't mm. doesn't it doesn't just flow. You know what I mean? It doesn't roll off the game at all. No, I mean, uh, like I said, Thunder, Seattle Thunder. I thought there was a hockey team at, at one point, or was it an NHL team that was going to be named Thunder as well? But, uh, it's the know. WHL team, and it still is. It's the Thunderbirds, but I digress. Oh, the Thunderbirds. Okay. That's what I was thinking. About. Even still, though. <laughs> yeah, and then the heart goes just, to Red Devils. It just Devils. adds to confusion. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah, what? Yeah. The Red. The no, acoustic I was gonna, I was is now say, a sound. Just... So isn't acoustic yeah, uh, a sound uh, anyway? <laughs> oh my! 
Yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Acoustic is a sound. Yeah, what the heck? Wow. Uh, I don't know. And then the Bliss, uh, we are calling it the Blitz. So, okay. All right. That works out, I guess. Yeah, but at the same anyway, time, so, wasn't there an older Chicago team called that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. Nate, can you explain to the audience how screwed up this is or how re, how the rebrand's not going to be any different than Legends Football League at this point? I mean, it just doesn't it doesn't look any different. It's just been it's just a remake basically. It's a makeup game. Well, and I I you know, I was thinking, you know, cuz we think about it with, you know, there's the the XFL coming and they're coming out with unique rules. I figured in this case, if this was a true relabeling or relaunching in some way, that they would have some uniqueness and some new flavor to them. And so I asked the questions, you know, quarter length, uh, you know, in uniqueness in terms of gameplay, anything like that. It was all identical. Do I see it still being as entertaining as it's always been? Yes. Do I see it working out? Not entirely. <laughs> no. I mean, it's great because you're not, it's like you're not being creative. nobody's going to know what the X League is, and they're going to have interest. What is this X League, right? It's sort of like wiping something out and then re- putting something new on a on a whiteboard and just reintroducing the formula in a different way. It's really what it boils well, down to. The, so, well, and the the bigger knot in this was as soon as they said it was the X League. I mean, I understood Extreme Football League, but when they said it was the X League, all of a sudden little alarm bells went off because one of the things they mentioned before or one of the things that Mitch mentioned before was that he wanted to expand into Asia and there's an X-League American Men's Football League there. Mhm. So the only thing I have hmm. the only thing I have a problem with Mitchell is he has broken promises. That's the only thing I have a right. problem with. Him. He has a good brand, he's good structure, he's been in place for so long. If he could have been the first guy to pay the players, you know, with uh, apparel in, 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 in arena sales, uh, you know, yes. just with the players, however he could have figured out just to come up with a wage in the arena football league men's area, right? Arena league, in, in mm-hmm. other words, the players don't get big money. The players make like 250 The top player probably gets like $600 a game. It's, yeah. you know, the oh, yeah. players. So you're telling me, he couldn't come up with revenue from shirts, apparel, and anything else that you could have put together for these players to, to just to pay on a tier system. You know, the mo- the players that the most fans want something from, you could have just done polls. You know, who wants to who wants a Jessica Hopkins T-shirt, right? And then just take yeah. a poll. And if somebody wanted a shirt, you could have sold Jessica Hopkins, and Jessica Hopkins could have been making like six eight hundred dollars a game. It's four games out of the year. That's that's four thousand dollars. That's nothing. Nothing not for four games. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like he's just not creative enough. He could have been the first guy to pay women to play this game, the arena game, football. He would have been historic. They have him play well, and, with the revenue. And the LFL shop never existed for like how many years? And when it did exist. Right. It was crap. It still didn't have anything. I mean, how do you how do you not do a a revenue sharing mentality? And and, and especially for him, 
it's like the advantage is there. He's got only four games. It's like you're not going to pay out that big money. Even if you made $10,000 a game, you paying out, you know, $600 a player, that's nothing. That's like nothing. And so the willingness not to pay the players is really sad. And I think that's where Chantel's gripe is. You know what I mean? The fact that he could have done something historic for women's sports as he claims and as he boasts sometimes, but he hasn't done it. Well, and you heard you you heard what what led to them becoming a non-pay league, right? Yeah. Was one player asking about it because they? I mean, they were starting getting like something out of ticket sales or whatever. And they were slowly working their way up, and then just because somebody asked point blank, "When do we get our checks?" It changes all that. No, no. You've got a great product. You've got a a, a great concept, and you pull the plug on starting to grow as a paid league to say we're going to be an amateur pay-to-play league because one person dared to ask? That's BS. Yep. That's what I'm saying. It's like he had everything. If you look at back at the history of his of this league, the fanfare, the MTV, he's mm-hmm. always put hype, overly hype. Everything is hype, but he never follows through. Everything is a hype. It never falls through. Look what happened in Mexico. We hyped it up for, what, November? We hyped it up September, November, and the rug is pulled for Mexico, and it wasn't Mexico. He pulled the rug. Right. I, I contacted the arena. The arena is the one that gave me info, and he pulled the rug. The arena didn't pull the rug. For some reason, he pulled the rug, which is a black eye to the brand. Why would you do that? Why would you announce something you cannot follow through or do? Why would you do that? Don't do it. So this X League, a lot of question marks. He has established veterans. There are players in this league yes. that fans still know, which is one of one a plus for him. But it, the structure is no different than Legends. You know, is he going to go to leggings in 2021? Is he going to upgrade the uniform? Is, I mean, what is he going to do at this point? Or is he just running away from legal matters as we were talking here? Well, we'll have to see, you know, within the, the next few weeks, apparently the reveal of all the teams is supposed to be some point this month. And there's got to be a lot of proof there because let's see, you've alienated Canada, Australia, Mexico, mm-hmm. um, South Africa, because you're supposed to have a championship game there. You know, Guatemala was supposed to be the start of something. You know, Coach Hack, I had Coach Hack on here, and Coach Hack, probably the winniest coach in this brand or in this style of play, yep. right? And he had nothing good to say about Mitchell Mortaza. Besides the fact oh, that, I he to that. The brand, yeah. that he created a, a, a nice structure, but his professionalism stinks. And the fact that he's not able was not able to incorporate the players in terms of uh you know as a unified front for a brand is was really disappointing for him and that's that I think that's oh. why he left he didn't want to be part of this you know circus as he called it right and 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 we missed one other point that we will have to remain to see the the whole thing about equity in the teams that's what i'm saying he's throwing that out will he does he, did he throw it out Will because he come the WFLA through? said he's paying the players? I mean, if you're going to just 
you know, throw something out, you better have some concrete planning for it. You just, you just don't, oh, it's future. Yes. I think the word was future. Well, that's just BS. You know what I mean? If you want to, if you're going to do it, future. You, it's always you say it's, it's being done in 2020. That's it. We are paying players in 2020. What does he do then? He says future equity. That doesn't guarantee anything. That's like no. buying stock in a company and it just goes under in, in a month or two. It doesn't mean anything. Future, someday, you know, any terms you're yeah. throwing out there instead of just saying right here, right now. My, my dad, I actually brought this whole thing up to my dad, and he, he, he likened it to, to, to Bill Gates towards the beginning of Microsoft saying, you know, he, he made this broad statement kind of like Mitch was saying, you know, someday I want a, a computer in every home and on every school desk. Sure. Well, when someday – What's 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 the deadline for Sunday? What's you know what's the deadline for future? What's the goal? Yeah, what's the goal? Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel bad for certain athletic players that we know of, brand named Brandon players, that they're not getting their just due. I feel bad for them, but at the same time, yeah. uh, they're making the choice to still participate. So at this point, we just have yep. to you know it's their choice to participate. It's nothing like there's nothing we can do here. Uh, the fact is, the X League, unless they prove us different, the X League is no different than the Legends Football League was. Just rebranded, brand new name, brand new logo, brand new. So until they prove us different in the 2020 campaign, or you know some change happens, um, we'll figure it out. But um, we're gonna have Chantel on here in a couple weeks, and she's probably not gonna be a happy camper on the airwaves, and probably thinks Mitchell mm-hmm. doesn't want to hear, but. We'll figure we'll figure things out when that shows up, but uh, we'll we'll talk yeah. about it in the future podcast at this point. But at this point, as it stands right now, um, it, we're getting ready for 2020, and all the teams have been yep. renamed. So if you, you know, the Empire in Atlanta, the Rush in Denver, the Black Storm in LA, the Thunder in Seattle, the Red Devils in Omaha, the Sound in Austin, the Blitz in Chicago, and uh, the n- newly renamed. Kansas City Force, previously Nashville Knights. Um, yep. So, um, Nate, you're on the boards. I'm on the boards uh, with all the LFL fanatics. And, and a lot of them are literally scratching their head, you know, because yeah, uh, he's been in, in business so long that if he wanted to be the premier league that paid women's players, he would have done it a long time ago. He should have found a way to do it. There's a lot of other businessmen that have found it to do cheaper. I mean, even Arena Football League, Okay, they understand, you know, ticket sales. They understand they got to get percent of for the players and everything else. So I don't understand how he doesn't right. incorporate the players on even on a percent of ticket sales or even on an apparel in arena apparel style. It just it just blows my mind. And he can do it, but he just doesn't want to do it, I guess. Well, and also how like with with some of the some of the the venues like they're they're arena football venues. They can fill them Correct. up where the justification is to take the, you know, the old school pro wrestling approach and cut off half the arena so everybody's on camera side just does not make sense. I know, it just it's crazy, isn't it? But I, I'm just but lipstick I'm on a pig. It's still a pig. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna put if you're gonna put uh, an uh, X League shop, okay, you you need to really you know incorporate the players. People don't buy. They're not going to buy your yeah. brand apparel. They want to buy, you know, a Michelle Angel sh- shirt. 
You know what I mean? They want to buy an Nicole Peterson shirt. They want to buy something of a player that they see on the field, somebody that's impactful, Lauren Ziegler. You know, they want to buy a shirt. Absolutely. Just like WWE, right? Fans don't go to buy a WWE shirt. Right? You don't go to WWE to buy a WWE logo shirt. You don't find a WWE logo shirt. You find a superstar shirt. You go to get your favorites. Yeah, your favorite superstar shirt. So I don't understand how Mitchell can miss this concept. How do you then understand that incorporating the players, and I think it's because if he did that, then we would have to, we would have to, the players would have to have a union, technically. Or they'd have to have some sort of right. legal binding to the league's success, and I think he doesn't want to have that. He, he doesn't want to be anchored, which is a shame, but that's he where we're at. He doesn't want to be held accountable. Exactly. That's the word, accountable. So yeah, I, I'm. I mean, to to all the players in uh, you know X League now, uh, you know we have obviously uh, a bunch of players that play in different teams, and there are no joke football athletes yep. as well. Anna Garza, Stacy uh, Jackman, um, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It's like it's their choice to participate in their whatever league they want to play in. That's it's not something that we are gonna like say don't play in that league or whatever. It's your choice to do it or not. But at the same time, the structure is there where I think the owner does have opportunities and he's been in place for so long that it's kind of like absurd that he doesn't have some sort of uh, arrangement with the top players that fans want to come see. And those players don't get a cut of either apparel or anything ticketing. I mean, apparel alone would pay the player twofold, even for the season on shirts. I mean, you could buy shirts for cheap two or $3 a shirt. You could sell the shirt for, Fourteen ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine, fans will buy a $20 shirt. And you still make money on both ends. The player would make money and all that stuff. But, I mean, that's just my basic concept, you know. But that's, yeah, He calls himself a businessman, but he doesn't know the business aspect, bottom line. No, I mean, it's just like, how do you do that? I mean, that's the way I would do it if I owned this league, is I would have to incorporate I would agree. the players. And it would have to be a tier system. You can't, you can't have a bench player make the same amount of money as a player that's, you know, in harm's way on the field on a weekly basis. It's just not going to happen. But at least they would get some compensation for, you know, their on-field play and compensation for their gas and time and everything else. And, I mean, it wouldn't be much, but at least you would see the effort, you know, the fact that you made a statement to make an effort. Yes. And then at that point, it's, you know, it's an incorporation type mentality. But, all right. So, Mitchell, you know Mitchell. I know Mitchell. I've never met Mitchell, but based on all the history that I've had with, you know, on social media and everything else. I just think he's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it, I can't put it any other way, but it's a dumb move. If you don't make a move, I mean, if he may, if he announces in April that he's going to pay the players based on t-shirt sales and everything else off the, off the X league uh, website or whatever, then that's step one, just make it in tiers. So, you know, the top players are going to make X amount of dollars a percent based on, T-shirt and sales and whatever, that's a first step. That would be historic. If he wants to be historic, he has to make a change. This is a new brand, new branding. Make the change. Forget about this future equity BS. Just make the change right. and pay the players. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, until, uh, until, until that happens, we've got nothing. No, I'm just saying it's a shame that he's he boasts to be NFL-like. He boasts to be yep. above and beyond everybody else and better than everybody else, will prove it. 
prove it you're above everybody else and prove it you're better than everybody else. Pay the players a percent of apparel sales or a percent of ticket sales. Do something. You can do both. If you don't want to do both, then do one. Because if you do ticket sales, right. it only benefits the player to sell more tickets because it's in their best interest to sell more tickets. It's commission-based, in other words. right? The more you sell, the more you're going to get perk back. So make it something like that. Structure it somehow. Make it happen. But unfortunately, he won't the do it because he has to be locked down. He has to be locked down to, you know, a legal status of a business model. I, mean, I think that's where he's fearful at. Right. Yeah. So uh, all right, we'll, we'll we'll leave it at that at this point. Um, thanks yep. for coming in, Nate. Um, really appreciate oh, it. Always welcome to chime in. And I'm uh, looking forward to uh, this uh, divisional round in the NFL playoffs. I mean. I'm not rooting for Frisco, you know, because I'm a Ram fan. I know Holly, right, our our co-host, she's rooting for Frisco. Uh, but I think the underdogs are Minnesota, Tennessee. Um, I really think those are the two underdogs that we got to watch for, and I think Saturday's going to be a big day because if the, if the Vikings somehow can take care of San Francisco, huge change. And if Tennessee takes down Baltimore, massive upset. Upset of the year. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then on the other games on right. Sunday are going to be pretty interesting because Sunday is kind of like traditional besides Watson. Everybody else, we we already know what they're capable of, Mahomes, Rodgers, and Wilson. So it's, it's kind of ordinary. Mm-hmm. So I think Saturday is going to be the big day of shockers or or shifting. So it's going to be pretty awesome. be exciting, exactly what you expect in a playoff. Yeah. All right, Nate, thank you very much for coming in. Uh, we'll keep uh, tabs on X-League and – We'll see what happens here in February and March as we build up to 2020 on, on April 4th. Absolutely. Thanks, Oscar. All right. Have a great night. You too. All right. So that was Nate Ward. Uh, we're talking X-League. Uh, we were talking about, you know, the, the rebrand and how that's going to change anything or whether it changes anything at all from Legends Football League. Um, as you can tell from our conversation, we're not that hopeful about it, but – at the same time, you know, the opportunity and the ball is in Mortaza's hands, whether this is truly going to be a different league, a different structure, will they change? They changed everything. The name changed, the teams, the team changed. Can he come up with a compensation plan to pay the players in 2020? Somehow, some format, either ticket sales, whether it be apparel, branding, what is he going to do? I mean, what does he what does he fear about? I mean, if he incorporates the top players in his league, it only benefits him long term. So I don't know how that would be bad, but you know, uh, that's what we do here. We just kind of chime in and talk about it. But uh, X League, it uh, kicks off on in 2020, April 4, 2020, and so we'll see how that turns out at this point. Some of the former Legends uh, Football League stars are still going to be there are coming back, I should say. And uh, so, like I told Nate, we'll have in the coming weeks here on the podcast, we'll have Chantel Taylor. Uh, I welcome her on. She's going to try to come on here and kind of let us know exactly the, you know, the lowdown, uh, the facts, the truth, the internals, everything that's, uh, I don't know if you want to call it ugly, but the reality, just like Coach Hack was here before, and he was kind of telling us exactly what should have happened, could have happened, and could have been. And so we'll see what uh, Chantel's opinions would be at this point. Um, let's go to the women's news and notes. 
WNFC announced while we were out for the this holiday season, WNFC announces partnerships with Rock Tape as their sponsor. So pretty pretty awesome. Rock Tape is a pretty awesome a sponsor for them, and they got involved with them already. So really impressive there. Uh, we also have um, Samsung NFC uh, NFL a commercial in Spanish. It was actually sent to us. Samsung NFL commercial in Spanish featured obviously a young lady that was playing football. And so that was pretty impressive as well. And then you had uh, Microsoft Surface feature um, former WFA uh, alumni QB Kansas from the Kansas City Titans. That was uh, 49ers offensive assistant coach Katie Sowers as well. And so that was pretty cool as well on the video. So you can get to check it out at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. And there's a cool story uh, that was done by um, – U.S. Lacrosse Magazine on the talented um, Caitlin Erickson of the St. Louis Slam. So you can go to the hub there and check it out. Pretty cool story. And what a beast she is getting ready for 2020. So um, check it out on there at St. Louis Slam. We shared it from them. Uh, Field hockey star plus lacrosse stud plus three-time All-American football champion, of course, with the St. Louis Slam, Caitlin Erickson. So that was really a really cool feature there. The other... Uh, big news this week, of course, and that was the win by the underdogs of Bologna, the queens of Italy right now. Underdogs win 32-14 to 14 over Apononia Unicorns. And you can catch the game there, courtesy of FIDAF TV, thanks to ScrimmageTV.it and all the network partners in Italy uh, that uh, provided that for us, including the FIDAF TV live stream on YouTube. And uh, you can watch it again as well. So congratulations to the um, Bologna underdogs for their amazing win in Italy. And you can get uh, pretty much a lot of the coverage out there. And you can get uh, Angelo, Angelo, Angelo Ciani with the great capture of photos uh, over at the event. And, uh, you know, featuring uh, Giada Katsoda. And you had a feature as well as uh, other the other players that were participating there in uh, Italy for the championship. It was a great game. If you get to watch it, go ahead and watch it. It's a pretty impressive um, matchup as well. And uh, it's uh, pretty, pretty awesome. Six and zero. they finished the season and uh, they are the champions of Italy as the women's uh, Rose Bowl champions in 2019. The other thing is uh, registration was for the uh, Utah Girls Football League. You can go online at football.eventbrite.com to register there, or you can go directly to the Utah Girls Football League uh, page, and you can go ahead and register there as well. Um, so it was, it was pretty cool. And then, unfortunately, Callie Branson's uh, Buffalo Bills did not get the job done in Houston, but the impressive season that they did have was really awesome. And hats off to them for their amazing, amazing season as well. You get a video there also of Lexfa. If you missed it, Lexfa All-Star Game. And we get some uh, feedback from some of the players on their excitement for the season and how how they're impressed and happy that they were chosen. So Lexfa is one of our biggest network partners in Mexico. Really appreciate them networking with us and all. So it's really awesome at, at this point. So it's always uh, really nice to have uh, – some of the things at home. And so the other thing that uh, we need help with, and I don't, normally don't, I don't ask for help for anything else, but you know, Hey, 
just go buy our, 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 you know, no joke football shirts and stuff. Let's support the women and, and bring awareness to the sport. But uh, a tragedy in Australia. And everybody knows about the bushfires and stuff like that. So we ended up sharing a uh, donation post from Gridiron New South Wales. And uh, we had a increase of dollar amounts. So we were asking everybody to share the post if you couldn't make a donation. So, or uh, to donate at least five dollars. So since the start of the post that we shared, we're at two hundred and thirty-one dollars, and now we're close to almost a thousand dollars. So I really want to thank everybody uh, that's listening to us today, and that obviously go to the hub at facebookcom forward I really want to thank you guys for donating. Um, you know, the five dollars or so, or however much dollars you donated, um, to get us to almost a thousand dollars for the Red Cross relief uh, help that's um, needed over in New South Wales, as well as the rest of Australia in general. And so, if you guys can continue to donate, uh, I know five dollars is not a lot of money. Uh, you know, I would not be asking you guys if it wasn't such an important, you know, situation. Uh, it is a situation where the Australian women's great iron community really needs our help right now. And so I stressly, stressed, heavily stressed that uh, I know you can come up with $5 and just put it out there and, you know, tab the donate button, get it done. Let's help our uh, sisters out in Australia and get them some much needed help. So the slow recovery that's going to happen from bushfires, uh, you can, you guys can also go directly to gridiron NSW on Facebook if you guys want to go directly to the page, and you can follow them as well. Uh, other than that, I really, really thank you, everybody, for uh, since we put the post up, we were at $231. And as of yesterday uh, that I checked last night, I think we were at $951. So we raised almost over, I want to say six, what's that, nine, eight, seven, over $700 just from uh, sharing the post alone in, in that regard too. So not just including ourselves, of course, but uh, other uh, people that were sharing the post. So thank you, everybody, for supporting and for sharing that post and continue to help out those in need and the uh, women's uh, great, uh, women's great iron community over in New South Wales, as well as Queensland, as well as uh, all the other um, regions in Australia. All right, the big announcement uh, breaking uh, that was done, IWFA Texas announced a $10,000 tournament, an eight-on-eight $10,000 tournament to spotlight amazing teams nationwide. So if you want to check it out, you want to be part of the big deal here, so go check it out at IWFAfootball.com, IWFAfootball.com. So 2020 is having a $10,000 women's tournament at the end of March in Austin, Texas. So if you, if you have an eight-on-eight team and you want to compete, you need to inbox them at or email them for details at iwfafootball.com and we've we got a lot of talented players that play in the IWFA um, Megan Martinez one of our No Joke Football supporters as well as Michelle Marshall the talented Michelle Marshall um, and many others so check it out and if you want to be part of the tournament check it out we're going to have Terrence Haywood here in a couple of weeks he's going to pretty much give us some more details on how that process is going to work and what their hopes are and then the fact that they're planning to expand eight-on-eight eight premier women's gridiron uh, plans to expand in 2021 beyond Texas. So get the details, go to the online store, and check the schedules there at iwfafootball.com. So we'll check it out there if you haven't checked it out at all. The other story was a uh, pretty cool story, the Mickey Gray story. That was via YouTube. Uh, she's my coach. 
uh, courtesy of NFL Films. So you can also check it out at the hub there as well. And there's a couple articles that was pretty cool. Lack of Women in Leadership in Sports, done by Forbes. And then Yahoo Sports Canada gave us the Women's Blaze New Trails article for the end of 2019. So that was pretty exciting as well, um, those two articles there. So check out um, all our stuff at the hub at facebook.com. And you can also get, uh, if you go there, you can go to the No Joe Football brand link. Um, so it's 2020 now. So uh, what else could we do but spotlight one of the best players on the planet from Finland as well and one of the journey women of the sport. And I got an opportunity to meet the uh, talented and beautiful Ellie Mezzola over at the Hall of Fame game. And so go to the Noja Football Brands uh, site and the uh, Eddie Mezzola is ready to conquer 2020. Check out her stuff, uh, buy the shirts that she's got on there. And again, I want to thank Mika Storm Photos for doing a great job with the photo shoot i uh, really appreciate that and so get get going there zazzle.com for slash career beauties you get up to 20 percent off you can get the yes i am a girl i play football shirt that ellie was sporting as well as the no joke football uh general shirt the original no joke football shirt so uh check it out and you get up to 20 percent off as well and if you subscribe to zazzle black for about 10 bucks you get free shipping in the states so that's all i got this week uh kind of running down and uh we'll have a uh, the Mac one, the salty one, back next week, Mackenzie Brooks. And we will have Holly Custis uh, next week. And hopefully uh, her Niners get the victory against Minnesota. And we get to talk about it next week. So uh, it's been pretty exciting. And thanks to Nate Ward for coming in and helping us out with uh, talking X League and how that's going to be changing in 2020. And we'll look forward to next week as well. So subscribe to our podcast, you guys. Thank you for subscribing to everybody that has subscribed. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We are on the biggest platform in terms of podcasts, of course, here on Block Talk Radio. But we are on iHeart, and we are on Apple Podcasts now. So the best, the best podcast on the planet, Talking Women's American Football and NFL Weekly, it is us. And you've made that happen. And thank you very much for you guys for subscribing to our channel and for sharing our posts. And don't forget, you can go to our YouTube channel for amazing shared videos of girls playing American football. So go to YouTube and just put in Gridiron Beauties, and you're right there. Otherwise, you get the link here on our podcast as well. So YouTube.com, Gridiron Beauties. So thanks again, everybody, for coming in, and Nate Ward for showing up. And we look forward to 304 next week as we're talking NFL divisional playoffs as well as all the things that are happening in the women's game as well. So for uh, um, the absent Troy Wilson, uh, Louise Bean, Mackenzie Brooks, and Holly Custis. Oscar Lopez saying here, we'll catch you here next week. Have a great night, everybody. Lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.